Welcome back into the Lions 24 7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and winter workouts now through three weeks, one ahead, then it's spring break. And we're shifting focus to spring practice soon after that. Before getting too far ahead of ourselves, the Penn State coaching staff, Sean, doing us a nice favor here for the topic of conversation, uh, sprinkling out a, a few nuggets on social media as they do after these Tuesday and Thursday workout sessions. We're going to talk through some of that. Uh, you've had intel early on about Zane Durant. That was before any tweets from John Scott. Well, he was a two-time selection now as the performer of the day in that defensive line group. And why don't we start there? Because it's all aboard the hype train when it comes to the Florida prospect who's already, what, a month and a half into his career and getting this kind of attention. Yeah, this is a, a physical specimen, really. I mean, you, he, he's not the biggest guy out there. Um, he, he is the fastest among those defensive linemen or the defensive tackles right now. And we talked about this on our first episode this week. It, it's very curious to see if he can fit into that rotation because there's a lot of bodies going in there. Of course, um, PJ Mustafer, who you're going to have back for the season, but you don't expect to see in the spring. And you've got Izzard and Ellie's who stepped up and Hakeem Beeman's back. Jordan Vanderberg came on at the end of the year last year. I mean, Vanover played some, some defensive tackles well. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of bodies in there, but we've been saying that for the last couple of years from a scholarship perspective, there's a lot of bodies, but it seems like there's more productive bodies to work out. So Gives John Scott a little bit of more flexibility there. Maybe you play Durant as that five tech. Uh, maybe you try and get him, you know, spice him in there. And maybe I, which I, I, he he doesn't have great length in terms of comparing him to the the other defensive end prospects. But he's explosive. He's strong. And if you are playing, for instance, a team like Wisconsin at the front of your schedule, like they did last year, you want to work those guys. You know, guys like Durant, guys like Vanover potential tweeners slash guys that are versatile depending which which side of the the, the cupcake you want to ice there but uh it's it, it's really a um remarkable to see an, an early enrolling freshman and he was the first one there was a couple others since then but to see him pop up over and over again against that cast of characters like like Ellie's like Izzard, those guys that have been around for a couple of years I think it says something about his his ability to compete it says something about his ability to potentially take that ball and run with it and, and actually get some snaps at a, at a position where it's it's not easy to break into that rotation and play a lot. I mean, you can we've seen guys that have come in and played as as true freshmen. Mustafa himself did that. Um, but to play a lot, to be a reliable guy, that still remains to be seen on what kind of impact he can have there. But really just tickled with the way that Durant has uh, has taken it upon himself to to be one of the the I guess you can call them stands standouts of winter workouts so far. I mean, you've got Mustafa coming back, which is such a huge win for the defense and for coordinator Manny Diaz. And um, in his absence, he got Izzard and, and Ellie's a lot of reps specifically. I think Izzard really shone through as the season progressed. Um, Hakeem Beeman, a wild card here. I mean, it's it's been a wild card subject for for what feels like an entire year on this podcast. Um, and then you've got this collection of, of guys that are ahead of, of Durant in terms of experience. And they've been on campus for a couple of years and, or at least one year. And Jordan Vandenberg, who, you know, showed a hell of a motor last year and that's one thing we kept hearing about him on the practice field and saw that a little bit in some game action late Fatorma Mulba who's got all that strength can that translate I mean Vanover you know that tweener kind of thing that we've talked about before and, and Kevin Givens has been the comparison it was that undersized defensive lineman and I, I think you want to see um, six guys uh, you know, you'd love to have six guys going into September where you feel like they can take on reps in power five competition. They can play if they have to on the road against Auburn early in the year. They can play if they have to over the, the course of your big 10 schedule. 
And you've got the numbers here. We've seen, you know, some of the some of the players exit via the portal and, um, you know, Aeneas Hawkins retiring. But there seems to be a door open, I think, just based on experience where Zane Duran, if he can keep it going in through 15 spring practice periods, which is that's a tough ask of any true freshman. That's the next step for him. But I think you look past that top three or four guys, unless this group adds a transfer player, you know, there, there's there's room to maneuver there. And I'm sure John Scott would like to be able to go six deep. Not that you're going to spread out those snap distribution equally from guys one through six. Yeah, we were surprised by the transfer addition of, of Derek Tangelo last year, but it would be even more stunning this year to see them go that route for defensive tackle just because you not only have bodies, but you have experienced bodies, competent bodies. Like we mentioned, Izzard and Ellie started the, the bowl game. Beeman's played a decent amount of football despite missing last year. And of course, Mustafer Vandenberg came on at the end of last year. You probably have the ability to to put uh, Amin Vanover back there at end to see if they can help out uh, with those numbers or see if he can help out with those numbers there. So you've got options, but you seem to have more proven options. You have you seem to have more talented options as you get out of that funk where they just kind of loaded up and loaded up and threw numbers at the defensive tackle position. That's kind of what you're hoping for. So you, you hope if you're Penn State's coaching staff, this is what you're finally, you've finally gotten to that, uh, that uh, destination where you can, you know, have a regular rotation of guys and not have a big drop off and, and, and things like that. So it'd be interesting to watch. I mean, because you've got guys like Mulba who, you know, played some uh, more early in the season last year and then eventually came back around and by the end of the year, um, was playing a little bit in the bowl game. You haven't heard a thing from Cole Brevard. I mean, that's the, he, I think he was the highest ranked out of all those guys. So, um, so you're starting to see defensive tackles. I don't want to say just out there, like they. I don't want to say they were just out there. Um, but now you can you can certainly have a little bit more competition. You certainly have a little bit more depth, and and with that comes flexibility because you don't know what what defensive end is going to look like. You don't know how those guys are going to uh, you know factor in with the versatility. Those tweeners, uh, Beeman, uh, excuse me, yeah, like Beeman, Vanover, and eventually maybe Zane Duran as well. So you've got some options. Which you know, if you're looking at this defense, you're certainly not looking at defensive tackle as a spot that needs reinforcements. Well, through five winter workout sessions, Durant was the only early enrollee to get called out by a coach uh, in a positive light. Called out sounds bad, but get shouted out by a coach uh, on social media. It happened for him twice. No offensive players on that list. And then all of a sudden, uh, a couple of them pop up Thursday morning uh, and we'll start at running back because top running back in the country, according to 24-7 Sports, in the 2022 recruiting classes in those winter workouts. Nick Singleton uh, gets the love from Jaywan Sider Thursday morning. And, and I spoke with Nick back in December following his Gatorade National Player uh, of the Year Award recognition with Saquon Barkley presenting that to him. And he said straight up, Jaywan Sider told me to come in and go win the job. And and Kevon Lee, as we talked about last week, the performer of the week at that position or of the day at that position through the first three workouts. He's a guy who's got the experience the last couple of years. You would imagine he is, if, if not, if it's not going to be Singleton, everyone's pointing to Kevon Lee, but here comes the freshman. And, you know, obviously you reported this uh, before anything from Cider out there on social media that he is turning heads in the building early on. Yeah, that that piece on Durant was a was a dual piece because it was Durant and Singleton were the two guys that really were turning heads for that coaching staff upon arrival, and and it's not a surprise with Singleton. I mean, this is a kid that very strong, very close, uh, you know, to you know, very high floor in terms of strength, in terms of uh, power movements and things like that. So, not a surprise. Um, you know, Kevon Lee's had a really good winter, um, as as Cider has sort of reflected. Um, and just from talking to people around the program, it seems like he's he's moved in that right direction as well. But I mean, 
Singleton's coming, man. I mean, I don't know what to say. This is a, this kid is, is, is really, really talented. Um, you know, five-star kid, number one, uh, running back in the country by 24 seven sports, uh, all American news list off the accolades, Gatorade national player of the year dude can play. So I'm going to be really interested to see, um, you know, I think his ceiling is, is far that far beyond that uh, of Kevon Lee, but Kevon Lee's got experience. Kevon Lee's been around for a while. Um, so how, how long can he hold him off? We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, Singleton's a guy, um, they've been really excited about since he arrived and I really haven't done anything to put that fire out. It's just a question. Can you handle the, you know, can you, can you, First off, speaking of elite, can you not put the ball on the ground is is huge. Can you pass protect? Uh, can you pick up uh, blitzes and, and and identify coverages and things like that? The little things that you don't think about when you're talking about, uh, you know, just carrying the football through the hole and running for a touchdown. So I'm um, really excited to see what Singleton's going to bring to the table. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, he's he's just got so much so much going for him. Um, I, I don't want to say it's a it's a it's a matter of when and not if or if not when or whatever you want to, however you want to say that he takes over, but Kevon Lee is going to have to hold him off. I think for, for, for all the things that we've heard about uh, Nick Singleton and let's face it, I'm excited. I, a playmaker in that backfield, um, you know, it was, was sorely missed last year. And I think Singleton brings that to the table. And an aspect that he really showed off down in, at the all American bowl that I think really helped him get to that five-star status and solidify himself there as a receiver. Some of the things he can do as a pass target, as that part of his, game starts to become a burgeoning aspect of what he can do in his toolkit really curious there because that that's something that we haven't seen a a lot of splashy plays come out of the receiving game uh, for this running back unit the last couple of years and uh, Sean meanwhile in the cool getting the shout out it was the other guy uh, as he's been known as I feel like these days in the recruiting class for the quarterback is Bo Prabula, the first in-state quarterback to sign with Penn State in 2010, uh, wearing number nine. We talked about that earlier this week, like the man he's compared to quite a bit, Trace McSorley. And he was the guy who got the shout out from Mike Yersich on Thursday morning. Yeah, I'm really happy to see that number nine, personally. I I think uh, Bo has that chip on his shoulder. Uh, Whether he would admit it or not, being the other guy is something that uh, really – you know, I think kind of drives him and, and he's built for winter workouts. Let's be honest. He's a, he's a, he's a physical kid. I mean, we were talking about him p- potentially playing linebacker or safety a couple of years ago. So he's got the athletic tool set. It doesn't have the, the arm talent and the, and the quarterback, uh, so I don't want to say intangibles because Bo was phenomenal, but he doesn't have the, that tool set that, uh, that Drew Aller has. So not surprised that he's come through here. We had a, a report or actually he was talking about it in our chat last week on lines 24 seven, um, just in terms of, uh, you know, what he brings to the table and what the coaches think. The coaches love this kid just in terms of him being uh, it's been described to me as a machine, just a guy that that works, just puts his head down and works. And, uh, you know, at a quarterback at the quarterback position, uh, that's just part of it. But uh, to see this is it's kind of refreshing to uh, to hear about how he's come along and how he's made an impact on that room in the early going. Like I said, the coaching staff really big fans of Prabula. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen when those pads goes on or go on where he stands in the, uh, in the glut of things, but he's got, uh, he's got a lot going on for him right now in winter workouts. And, and it's excited to see, I think he's got that, that chip on his shoulder. As I said earlier, he's got that McSorley, um, sort of vibe to him. Um, and that's what it's going to take. I mean, Drew is a phenomenally talented kid. Um, but that, Michael O'Connor was a phenomenally talented kid. So, I mean, that's kind of where we're standing with Prabula a long way off here. Cause we still, you know, 
I still have them at three and four behind uh, Clifford and behind Christian Veyu as well. Um, we'll see in a couple of weeks. I can't wait to see these guys throw the ball. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. All right, so through three weeks, Sean, those are the three early enrollees that we've heard about from the position coaches. It's Nick Singleton, it's Bo Perbula, it's Zane Durant, twice over. Um, the Another thing that popped up this week that was particularly interesting was Zaki Wheatley. Uh, now listed at cornerback or now listed at safety after spending his freshman year at cornerback. And I didn't even notice that the roster had updated to reflect that until Anthony Poindexter tweeted out that his top performing safety of the day was Wheatley. So that's how I found out that was Tuesday morning. And this is an interesting uh, addition to the safety room. It felt like a, a loss that the cornerback room can afford. And this is one of those rangy defensive backs. And this is a conversation we've had a lot with the 2022 prospects that are going to arrive later this year where you've got this versatility. And a lot of it is going to depend not only on what you're seeing from them on the practice field and their personal development, but from your personnel development and what you have to work with in the back end of your defense. Yeah, this is a, an expected move, one we've been waiting for for a while because he came out as a corner, um, didn't play last year. Well, played in four games last year, but didn't didn't work his way into the rotation. But they were pleasantly surprised by his development in terms of what he was able to do. He's, he's so long. You see him out there. He's all arms and legs. I mean, that's kind of the way he's always been. But he was recruited as a safety prospect. And, and this one, as you said, makes sense from a numbers standpoint because you've got you know what you feel are probably four corners right now. Um, and three safeties. So you're trying to fill out that two that two deep and figure out who the guy would be behind Jair Brown, along with Jalen Reed and, and Keaton Ellis in there as well. And, and Wheatley's a guy that's that's been impressive. He's just got that long frame to fill out. I think speed is a question, uh, no doubt about it. That's always been kind of the hang up with him. Always had great ball skills. Always uh, was a, you know around the football and things like that. And of course, did not play his senior year of high school because of COVID. So. Um, but uh, they they were impressed with what he what he brought to the table last year. Got him a chance to to learn some coverage things um, at corner. Which you know when Penn State tries to play three safeties, you might slide a safety down there into, as a nickel corner or something. Where you might find the a guy you know just kind of on an island by himself. So it helps to have those corner skills. So um, for a guy that wasn't going to come in and play right away, like Wheatley to get him some experience there, I think makes sense. And I think they continue to do that as a program. So, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think he'll factor in right away. I mean, he's he's a guy that can potentially be in the two deep right now. Um, you know, you're, you're still trying to figure out before guys like Christian Driver and, and KJ Winston especially get to campus and, and see what happens there, um, what you're going to do about your safety rotation. I mean, I don't think he's going to unseat Jair Brown anytime soon. But, um, you know, let's face it, Keaton Ellis and, and Jalen Reed, you know, while they have, you know, their talented prospects have, don't have a ton of experience. So this would be an opportunity for him to sort of get in in that mix as well. And it's, it's, it's funny to see him because when he's, when he's out there in pads, especially with the corners, which are a little bit shorter, I mean, he's like, he, he's kind of in that, that Joey Porter mold where he's just like, he's got arms all over the place. And um, to see him sort of trial, uh, just kind of cover back there as a center fielder, it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, speed is not, uh, not his forte, but he can cover a lot of ground with that, with that length that he has. Down in Tampa before the Outback Bowl, we did hear from Joey Porter, and, and that's what he said. He said, uh, Wheatley is built just like me, um, and, and, and those long limbs, such a big part of, of what we talked about with Porter, uh, apply a lot of that to this situation. And I think the, the interesting thing here, obviously, is at safety, it's an incomplete process because you got all these names, four-star signees. 
Christian Driver, Makai Flowers, KJ Winston, Tyrese Mills coming from Lackawanna. There's a lot still coming. What we're seeing here in the spring bowl, and you wrote about this in, in an evolving defensive backfield. Um, you know, I think with Wheatley heading over to safety, um, the cornerback room, I think you're getting a pretty clear picture about the hierarchy there. Uh, you know, kind of too deep in that situation. Uh, Jeffrey Davis is a year two guy that we haven't talked much about. Of course, Kaylin King stole the show as a year one player. Daquan Hardy's covering in the nickel. Whereas in the safety room, it projects is a lot of different body types, a lot of different, um, I, I think, players that some programs and maybe this staff would project as a cornerback long term. And so I think Anthony Poindexter in year two, a guy that we thought was going to be the head coach at Virginia uh, a couple months ago, really a, a, a melting pot of a group to work with, I think. And, and you know, not a lot of known variables once you get past Jair Brown, to be honest with you, even with Keaton Ellis, who started in the Outback Bowl. Last year was a transition year. He was nicked up. We didn't really get a full look at it. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they find a compliment to Brown because if they, if they do go with a guy like Jalen Reed, he's kind of like Brown and that he you know fills and plays downhill. Ellis a little bit longer and faster. Zaki Wheatley a little bit longer as well, so a little rangier. So if you were splitting them up, I think you, you could go two and two, two like you know. But but I don't know that they're going to have that luxury because if you're looking for the best guy to be opposite Brown, is is that going to be Reed, who's a similar player? Is that going to be Ellis or is it going to be Wheatley? I don't know. So. Um, it is certainly intrigued there, but you feel pretty decent about the athleticism and the bodies that you have there. Th to me, the, the question uh, in the defensive backfield, you know, what's uh, what's Jair Brown going to be like with these new responsibilities? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's easy playing beside Jaquan Brisker, but, you know, teams knew where Brisker was. You know, offensive coordinators were, you know, scheming around Brisker and things like that. Brown's going to be that guy now. So it's going to hopefully benefit the other guy in that situation. So it'll be fun. And then, of course, we don't talk enough about Daquan Hardy in the season that he had last year. So that's going to be a factor that goes into that. As you saw, Jonathan Sutherland was singled out the, this week as a, a linebacker once again. Um, that that's just uh, I think it's it's part of that big picture talk with the with the defense. You know, how, how often do you see Hardy out there versus how often do you see Sutherland out there? Um, or the whoever the Sam guy or whatever they're calling the position under Manny Diaz is going to be. So some some interesting uh, little subplots there. Again, you're feeling pretty decent about the front part of your defense, pretty decent about the back part. Plenty of questions to talk about with the linebackers moving forward. But before we move on, don't forget about the former kicker who's out I knew there. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't let me. Yeah. I, I would not let you get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look. So at linebacker, you've seen a couple guys get two-time recognition from their position coach. You mentioned Jonathan Sutherland, also Curtis Jacobs. At safety, there's a couple guys. Jair Brown. Okay, everyone could see that coming. The other guy to get two shout-outs from Anthony Poindexter, Sebastian Costantini. Uh, and and, and I'm, I, at this point, I hope I'm saying that correct, uh, correctly. I don't think I am because it's not a name that I've said on this podcast much. You wrote about it a couple summers ago. Oh, nice little story moving from kicker to defensive back. Okay, here we are two years later. He's getting specifically shouted out on multiple occasions twice in the past week by Anthony Poindexter, a former All-American safety. So what do we make of this? They, they love this kid, man. I don't know if he's going to dent the, the depth chart and play right away, but, I mean, this is a kid. He came in as a kicker. He got here as a kicker, and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but he absolutely tested off the charts, not just for a kicker, but he was more athletic than some of their scholarship skill guys. Um, so what happens is I think it was 
2020 because I was just searching for things to write about. But Costantini uh, <laughs> moved from kicker to corner and, you know, did a pretty good job. I mean, he was uh, a high, good high school player, but did a pretty good job. And then, of course, they moved him over to safety. I was talking to Terry Smith. I was in a media day or something like that. He didn't want to lose him. He didn't want to lose Costantini from from the corners to the safeties, but he had to uh, to give him up. Of course, Terry never wants to lose anybody uh, to any other position. So that's uh, that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, this special teams kid, uh, a guy that you can potentially, I, I see him as a guy that's in the mix for one of those like one year scholarships that, you know, has worked his, his tail off and has done a really good job. Um, uh, and, and, you know, really has, has the respect of everybody in that building. So be interesting to see where he fits into the, I mean, is he, does he take Drew, uh, Drew Hartlob's spot? Is he a gunner or something like that? I mean, it, th- there, there's certainly questions where you could align his story to other walk-on stories, but it, it's a good one. And it's worth mentioning. Uh, you don't see too many guys that were former kickers that eventually make, uh, make an impact in the, in the defensive backfield or on special teams in a different way. Uh, while I'm listening to you, I'm also reading you from the dark days of March 2020, as you referenced uh, your story here. Some of those numbers that you mentioned, um, and by the way, when he's at Malvern Prep, he set a program record there uh, in the discus, the 55-meter hurdles, pole vault, decathlon. Uh, he was in the pen relays, 37-inch uh, vertical paired with a 416-second uh, short shuttle uh, upon his arrival on campus at the kicker position. That's that's pretty unbelievable, man. And uh, <laughs> I was going to make a Lonnie White joke, but it's not coming to me. Um, but no, it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. Like I, I remember, you know, hearing about those numbers when he arrived on campus and I'm like, this kid is a kicker. Um, but uh, it was pretty, pretty awesome to see that. But uh, like I said, I don't know where he's going to pop up in terms of of getting reps and things like that. But I mean, this is a kid chasing his dream, uh, you know, committed to Penn State back in 2018 and, and really. Uh, was uh, was really excited about the prospects of coming and making a, a dent on the uh, the program. He thought he'd do it with his foot, but apparently he's doing it in other ways. One other name I wanted to get to here because uh, he was given the, the dominating tag uh, by Terry Smith today is Kalen King. Uh, Terry Smith says he is dominating cornerback uh, workouts this winter. He has been uh, the cornerback pick for performer of the day all but one occasion uh, this month, as Terry Smith has announced those. That's great to see because last year, around this time last year, we started to really hear that Kalen King was on his way to turning heads by the time spring ball wrapped up and he was out there picking off passes in front of a crowd in Beaver Stadium. This guy was legitimately going to get that green light, and he did. He played all 13 games because of what cornerback was for the team and and overall strength and, and the experience he had there. Didn't need to throw him out there and play a ton of reps, but Worked his way into that rotation, was the starter in the Outback Bowl with Castro Field sideline, and now you're certainly looking for him to be one of the ascending figures on this roster. So early returns on the start of this sophomore year for Kalen King, overwhelmingly strong from Terry Smith thus far. Yeah, and when we talk about, uh, you know, I guess holding caution um, for true freshmen to make an impact. This is what we talk about. Kalen King was yeah. phenomenal last spring. Um, you know, in in not only in the stuff that we had heard, but also we we got to see him. He had a pick six in the one scrimmage that we got to see. Um, sort of was the the icing on the uh, the hype cake there. And then came in and there were guys in front of him that were entrenched that were that actually played really well. 
Um, and unfortunately for King, I think everybody's going to remember him running into a teammate there against Michigan. And then, you know, that's kind of where the, the, the season, um, you know, did, went the way it went. And uh, but I think he's, you know, he rebounded well. I thought he played. He actually played well outside of out of that. So um, interested to see what he does opposite Porter. Of course, um, you know, I think teams are going to go after both those guys this year. And um, they're they're really talented, really talented guys. And, I, and I'm kind of beat the drum for Joey Porter once again. I know he had the penalties and everything down the stretch last year. He's a really talented guy as well. So um, corner is not an issue uh, to me. You, you got to cultivate some depth, see what you got with Johnny Dixon, see what Marquise Wilson can bring to the table. I know we had a question a couple of weeks ago on the mailbag about a veteran that could kind of turn the corner. Marquise Wilson could be that guy, you know, after Marquise we saw Wilson. Yeah. yeah I mean, we saw from him as a, as a true freshman. And then he's, it, that's a weird, weird career arc, but that's uh, kind of where he's at right now. And if he can, breakthrough that would be great for that so um yeah but Kalen King is is going to have an opportunity we we know he's got the uh the swagger we know he's got the 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 confidence in his ability so I'm I'm curious to see what he can do when he gets past that freshman wall and can take that next step I'm guilty of not bringing up the name Marquise Wilson uh nearly often enough when we discuss the cornerback room I think I just had applied him to this athlete dual well that's the problem and- he's, he's still listed as an athlete on the uh <laughs> right. on, on the roster so if you go to like search for CB or WR as we're going through our position previews and things like that he doesn't pop up you just forget about him and that's kind of how it's gone the last two years with Marquise Wilson unfortunately um, so the Kalen King hype train is, is back in, in full speed ahead and, and we'll see how he responds to what should be an expanded opportunity. Um, anything else th- to mention here through three weeks of winter workouts? I feel like we have we've kind of dug through quite a bit here, uh, and, and you had some reports early on, um, last week and then we're in spring break and then these guys are putting on pads soon and any, any other names that we need to be mentioning. I'm, I'm really curious to see where the uh, the wide receiver room is as a rotation right now because you've got a bunch of names that you're familiar with. Of course, added Mitchell Tinsley to that. A guy like Harrison Wallace is a guy. You know, we posted something on our Instagram. I recommend you check it out. Um, crazy, crazy athleticism there from Harrison Wallace. Um, so I'm uh, really curious to see what that means for these rotations. Uh, do you take some off of Parker Washington in order to get some other guys work? And 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 where are you at as a room right now? So I don't think that I don't think it's a big Excuse me. I don't think it's a big, um, you know, sort of uh, storyline or anything like that. But they need to figure out that rotate those rotations, tighten them up, and figure out their most talented guys. By the way, Mason Stall, as we talked about, Costantini, yeah. Mason Stall was a receiver of the day. He's a former quarterback, really, really athletic kid. Ran a four four for them back in camp when he was coming out uh, of high school. So um, you know, that's an interesting change right there. And you know, you dangle that carrot in front of some of those other guys that maybe didn't get the recognition this off season. And, and we'll see if it, uh, if it lights that fire. Paul, of course, uh, nearly got a starting nod in the last season at quarterback as they were dealing with the flu outbreak preparing for Rutgers. It sounded like when this team went to bed on Friday night, there was a chance they were going to wake up and have to turn to Mason Stall. It didn't happen out that way, but um, now wide receiver, which is uh, an interesting move. And, and just kind of to reflect on how different parts of the roster get impacted at different stages of the offseason, there are three new additions, scholarship guys at wide receiver since the Outback Bowl in Tinsley and Omari Evans and Caden Saunders. Meanwhile, we're talking about a safety room that could add three, four guys here in the next few months. So you're seeing different parts of this group impacted as the year goes on. Just kind of a reminder that it's a segmented process. It's, it's unbalanced, but it's college football. Yeah. yeah, it's That's college how football. it works. Yeah. So. Um, 
Sean, speaking of building uh, towards something, uh, the recruiting never stops and it's about to get a lot busier, which is a great thing because it's been a couple of years since we had uh, tremendously busy springs and we're going to see one for Penn State. Uh, March, you're going to see guys back on campus. Um, beyond that, you got the official visit window. Some names that popped up this week confirming they will be in attendance uh, at Happy Valley at different points uh, of the next few months. One that jumped off the uh, a big the page in a big way, Caden Proctor, five-star offensive lineman out of Iowa. Sean Bach, who covers Iowa for 24-7 sports, does a great job covering Hawkeyes recruiting. He had the report there, Penn State, one of three schools that are going to be getting a visit this spring uh, thus far. And he's someone we mentioned as you want to get greedy, talking about what Phil Troutwine might be able to accomplish with this offensive line class. Throw that name into the mix. And it's worth noting it's an unofficial visit. So he'll be paying mm -hmm. his own way, um, which leaves the door open for a summer official. Uh, like I said, I'm not bullish on Penn State's chances, but they're they're in the mix as, as one of those top seven teams. And they're going to have the ability to get him on campus and try and make him feel comfortable. Of course, he's a he's a, an offensive, a five-star offensive lineman from Iowa. So Iowa's going to be involved. I know Ohio State and a bunch of other uh, big time schools are involved as well, but Penn State's kept up that uh, kept up that relationship. I mean, they've got relationships there. They've got it with uh, Samson Okanlola uh, up in Massachusetts, who's been on campus. Of course, Evan Link's a big uh, target for them as well. So the the difference this year is you've got guys in the boat, and you still have targets out there for the offensive line. That's a that's a good thing. It's a different thing, but it's a very good thing. And uh, you know, you're kind of uh, shooting at the stars for Proctor, but why not? You know, that's that's kind of where you're at with uh, with four in the boat. You're you're going to to try and finish out as strong as possible. And five-star offensive tackle, top 10 player in the country seems pretty strong. And, and not just any visit in April, he's going to be on campus uh, for the Blue-White weekend. So if you're going to look to get a guy to make this trip and try to turn his attention into scheduling an official visit with you, uh, it's a great scenario that could play out for Penn State. Iowa receiving an unofficial in April, as are the Oregon Ducks. So he's going long distance uh, to the east and long a road trip. to the west. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, some travel ahead for him. And then the official visits, we're going to start to see these get locked in. Um, last year, it was all scrunched into one month in June. The year before, there were none of them. Um, one that we know is on the books now for June, Florida running back. And if you check Sean's 2023 big board, you may have noticed uh, pretty scant on the running backs. But Trayon Webb was on that, and he will be on campus the second weekend of June. Yeah, this is a guy that's been on campus before. He came up for a game in November when he was still committed to Oklahoma. I think this is his second – that was his second commitment. He's no longer committed to them. Georgia was in the mix as well. I'm um, going to cut his list to five schools soon. Penn State's going to be on that list. I think Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, maybe – I think Florida just reoffered, so they're probably a fifth team and maybe will add a sixth or something like that. Uh, former high school teammate uh, for, for, for uh, with Cam Miller – um, at Trinity, um, very, very talented back, a guy that's, uh, you know, been all over the place and is on the board for a lot of uh, programs, longtime relationship with Jay Wan Sider. That's why it popped up last, uh, uh, excuse me, last fall. Um, so they got an opportunity here. It's, it would not surprise me if Webb would end up in this class, but I think a long way to go before they, before we get to that point. Yeah, and, and, and but, you know, Penn State, a couple of Florida guys on the roster, Kevon Lee, Keziah Holmes in that running back room, uh, Katron Allen coming out of IMG, but but out of Virginia. And, and, and Slater has pulled this off before. It hasn't always worked out with guys who have come to campus and produced big. But, you know, John Dunmore is the guy. You, know, you get him up for a weekend. Uh, it's a beautiful time of the year here as well uh, if you're a Florida guy visiting here in June. Um, so we'll see what that can do if that moves the needle for him. Obviously, Webb committed to Georgia and Oklahoma in the past. This is a, a primetime, premier kind of town. 
talent at a position that Penn State just brought in a, a couple blue chip players. Uh, and then elsewhere in the Sunshine Sunshine State, easy for me to say. Careful. Sean, yeah. <laughs> Dave, Damon Fagan uh, has, is uh, putting, putting together the final touches on his favorites list. And he's got Penn State in that mix. Uh, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Miami, and Ohio State, among the other notable schools in there. Out of American Heritage High School, you talk about Trinity uh, Christian Academy being a mainstay uh, powerhouse in Jacksonville. Well, down in Plantation, Florida, American Heritage, always competing for state championships. Fagan, uh, one of a few power five level talents in that defensive backfield last year for them. And, and he kind of fits that mold that we were just talking about. Six foot two, 180 pounds, uh, listed as a number 2020, uh, number 2022 safety. She's number 22 safety in the 2023 class by 24-7 sports. Um, but he's one of those guys that you say, you know, if he's got the speed and that size, maybe he could play a little cornerback too. Yeah. Um, Fagan is just one of those talented guys. I mean, American Heritage puts him out every year. Um, and, you know, I think they've got three or four guys from this last class in the defensive backfield that are that we're going to go uh, FBS to the FBS level. And then I think they'll continue to have that in 2023. So it's just a ridiculous when you when you juxtapose some of these schools in Florida compared to some of the schools in the Northeast or some of the, you know, the states in the Northeast, even, you know, it's it's pretty unbelievable. But he was another guy. You know, they got those guys up in, uh, in at, I believe, the same game that Webb was at in November. Michigan. Got them, uh, yeah. I got them a chance to see uh, an atmosphere up there, so I think it was uh, pretty big for uh, for a couple of guys left a lasting impression. And and at that point, you're just sort of setting the table for trying to get these guys up the following summer. So we'll see if Fagan is one of those guys that gets an official visit this summer. Um, they're going to continue to pound away at Florida. You've got Jay Sider on the staff. You've got Manny Diaz trying to uh, you know dive back into his. Uh, you know, his roots down there. So you've got a lot going for you in Florida. It's just a matter of get, getting those guys to the summer so that you can get them up here and, and host them for uh, for a weekend. Fagan was at the Michigan game that you mentioned, and he was with his teammates, a couple other four stars, cornerback Damari Brown and running back Mark Fletcher. Um, maybe those went under the radar a bit at the time. You're starting to see why laying that groundwork, getting guys on campus for game days, uh, you know, Coming out the other side here starts to pay off, uh, and we'll see if Fagan, uh, when he sorts through his official visits, if he looks toward Happy Valley for that. Sean, anything else to add on the recruiting trail? Like I just said, February is coming to a close, which means recruiting is going to open up on campus again. And you talked about this. It's going to be open for a while. Yeah, it's going to be open from March 1st when the dead period ends to uh, to mid-June. Uh, I think June 24th is when it uh, officially shuts down for a dead period. So you've got an opportunity to get guys on campus. It's been nearly two years since uh, what was Brock Bowers was in for, for yeah. one of the last visits before uh, the pandemic. And whatever you know, happened could, to that kid? I, no idea. Probably a bust. Um, but now he it, it's it's a situation where Penn State's going to be able to have some guys in on campus next week. Then they're going to go on spring break. So everybody goes on spring break. There's no, you know, very few visitors, if any, um, pop up during spring break. And then as they get into spring practice, they'll have an opportunity to host guys and they'll have guys in that are coming in every day. Let's get over to our five-star mailbag and uh, bringing up a question that, that takes us back to this roster. And, and as we try to sort through position by position, perfectly timed one here, which Penn State position battle do you expect to last the longest and maybe even into the season? That's a good question because I think there's a couple of them that, that really don't have an, a surefire answer. I look at the the middle linebacker spot. You've got Tyler Elston and Kobe King, two guys that, that they're high on in terms of talent, um, but very little experience. And you're replacing a guy in Ellis Brooks that uh, you know played a heck of a lot of football for Penn State. So 
interested to see how this battle plays out, what you're going to do with uh, with the guys around him. And we, of course, expect Curtis Jacobs to move into the box as well. Uh, does Charlie Catcher factor in at all? Does some of these other guys, does Jamari Budden factor in? So, um, you know, there's, there's not a ton of numbers at linebacker, so you're going to have to figure that out. And they still, of course, would like to add one through the portal. Um, but uh, I think there's still a big question mark, and I can see that one being one that plays its way into uh, into September. The guard to me jumps out again. I mean, last year we saw one guy start in game one and, and then the other guy start the rest of the way. Um, you've got another Ivy League transfer coming in like you did last year, and he's coming in in May, so he's not here for spring ball. The the, the kind of, a, I don't want to say the wrench in the, in the machine here, but the one thing that is a bit unknown is Salim Wormley coming off of that preseason injury last year. We've mentioned this several times, I think as recently as the last episode you did and, and where he stood last year as, as training camp was going on and September was approaching and, and pushing for a starting job at the guard spot before he was lost. Um, so, so that's one that, you know, that is a little scary to think about. I know everyone's kind of thinking about this offensive line and everything is really kind of revolving around that, taking a step forward. Does Phil Trotwine find his guard with confidence by the time they're through three weeks in August? Or are they getting on the road and going to Purdue and he's putting one guy out there for a couple series and the next guy out there for a couple series? This is me probably putting a lot of eggs in that Lennon Tengwall basket, thinking that he's going to be a guy who is a full-time starter. And then you got Juice Scruggs at the center position, um, maybe giving Landon a little too much credit at this point of the calendar year, but I have confidence in where he's going to end up. Um, so I'm still looking at that one guard spot and and because it, it's on brand for me, how about backup quarterback? You mentioned it uh, as much as we want to talk about the freshman QBs. You said they're slotted at three and four. If Clifford gets hurt, if Clifford is inefficient, who is the next man in? And and Christian Veyu going to continue to try to stake his claim. I got to mention the backup quarterback. I just got to. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I think you're contractually <laughs> obligated to do that. Uh, you could throw safety in there as well. Um, you know, with uh, with Jalen Reed and Keaton Ellis, and then you can add Zaki Wheatley into that battle. I think is that that's one where you're going to have to play out and get some reps. And um, it'll be interesting to see who gets the veteran workload this year or this spring. Um, it always happens for those guys that have been around for a while. I think Jair Brown's in line for it, certainly. Um, you know, you're, you're working in other positions like defensive tackle. Of course, Mustafer is a different story because of his injury, um, but you're working young guys through there. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But going back to your offensive line point, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of – uh, I don't want to say penciling in Landon Tangwall as the left guard, but that's kind of where we're looking. We're looking to the battle at the right guard um, in the spring, which would you would think if Salim Wormley's ready to go and ready to go full bore, which I don't I don't see why they would you know throw him in there as much as they need or as much as they would have to for a typical game week or something like that. Going against uh, maybe Golden Israel Chumba and seeing how some of these younger guys um, can sort of uh, can can sort of handle themselves, and then of course Norzad uh, shows up in May. We saw that happen last year, and 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 Wilson did not um, you know assume the starting role for the first game. I think Norzad's a, a better prospect. Um, certainly, we like Eric Wilson; he was very very nice to us. But uh, I think Norzad's a better prospect. He was elevated, by the way, to an eighty nine on twenty four seven Sports rankings this week. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to find themselves in a position where they have not too many bodies because you can't say that about Penn State's offensive line ever. Um, but uh, you're going to find I think they'll find themselves in a better spot than they probably would entering uh, March. I will say one other area that people are probably wondering why we're not mentioning it, but uh, be, they've used so many two man personnel groups there at tight end. But I do wonder with what we've heard about Theo Johnson and, and certainly when to go through the winter workouts again, he's been getting called out a lot in a positive light by his tight ends coach, Ty Howell. We've talked about all the physical tools that he has. He just looks different than anybody else in that room right now. And you've seen him in the open field now a little bit. 
flashing. Uh, Theo Johnson is a guy that, that I'm very curious. Can he rest some control at that position, or does it remain a very shared position? Because you've got Tyler Warren there. Of course, Brenton Strange was logging the starts for the most part, but that is just an area of the field where we want to see that group get more opportunities. But I'm very curious if one player, and I'm thinking Theo Johnson here, is going to put himself in a position to kind of control things just a bit. Yeah, and Khalil Dinkins still at tight end, um, as per the shout out from Ty Howe today. Uh, we know we, we know we've got some people, myself included, that would love to see him at linebacker, but uh, it's not the case right now. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Again, we're on the uh, transition right now going from winter workouts to spring ball. That's that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we appreciate everyone for following us throughout this offseason. We're going to have real football to start chatting about as practice gets underway here in a few weeks. For Sean Fitz, for our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.